What's up, everybody? It's the Welcome to the Show podcast brought to you by Audible. Go to audibletrial.com forward slash welcome to the show to get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial. That's audibletrial.com forward slash welcome to the show. One more thing. If you have two minutes to spare, we would greatly appreciate it if you guys tapped into our podcast, wherever you listen to your podcast, give us a rating, give us a review. It helps other listeners find us. And yeah, we would greatly appreciate that. So today we have part two of the Nick Francona interview. This portion of the interview delves a little deeper into some shady practices in Major League Baseball. Um, We're going to discuss Francona's time with the Los Angeles Dodgers, with the New York Mets, and some other things that, that are happening in the world of baseball that are out there, certainly, but not being talked about not nearly enough. So we're hoping that with Nick Francona here, we can get to the bottom of it, uh, bottom of it a little bit more and make more people aware of these issues. Um, I'm of the belief that, um, you know, something that you truly love can't be all the way great until you know the absolute truth. And I love baseball, regardless of all these things that are happening or that have happened. Majorly, you know, baseball has always been, well, the NBA and the and MLB has been my my love. You know, I love those two sports with a passion. Um, but when I hear that there's shady things happening in the background, um, instances of sexual assault being concealed, you have illegal player trafficking, you have drug abuse, you have domestic abuse, things of that nature. Um, I, I don't appreciate it when it's when it's being hidden, because in my mind, if you're if you're not putting if you're not putting it out there for, for the problem to be fixed, then then you're a part of the problem. Um, so I know that we're not going to fix this issue on our own. Um, I'm not out on some crusade against baseball. Believe me, I, I want baseball to get better. I want baseball to go on. Um, I'm hoping that I that I can or that we can the welcome to the show podcast can be um, a part of the solution to these issues a way a, a, a way uh, a medium for people to feel comfortable coming on and speaking their minds and and speaking their truths and I invite anybody to come on the show and and talk to us about any of it you're gonna hear um, Gabe Kapler's name a lot I invite Gabe Kapler to come on and and you know deny these claims and tell us why he denies it. You know what I mean? I want Major League Baseball to come on, anybody in Major League Baseball, and tell us that what Nick has said here isn't true, you know? But give us the proof with it. Um, Until then, I I believe Nick, you know? So uh, without further ado, without talking so much, which I already have, here's Nick Francona. Last fall, we learned that the Department of Justice launched an investigation into baseball's recruitment of international players, um, and it detailed some, it had some evidence um, in it in regards to the Los Angeles Dodgers and some of the the practices that were happening within the organization, um, like the the executives developing a database measuring. Uh, the levels of behavior, and some players were even rated as criminal, but it was almost celebrated in a way. Um, so I wanted to ask you. So while you were with the Dodgers, you were an assistant director of player, uh, the assistant director of player development, right? 
That that's correct. Well, let me uh, correct one thing. Yeah, yeah, sure. That you said uh, the the uh, the charts that were kept uh, that that was uh, in regards to colleagues of ours, mm-hmm. not in regards to ranking any players or anything right. as, uh, as as criminal. It was uh, it, it was different different uh, fellow employees. Right. It was you, you were rating. Uh... Like not 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 Los Angeles Dodgers players who are I guess are considered employees too, right? Um, but rather people in the front office, is that right? Or employees of of, of members of the front <laughs> office? Correct. So, okay. Correct. So like like scouts, other executives in some cases, it, it was a handful of uh, uh, fellow employees. Gotcha. Okay. So, um, all right. So to dial it back a little bit, just to kind of understand this a little more. So as a, as an assistant. Director of Player Development. What does that job entail exactly? Uh, primarily, it, it's going to. I mean, it might be a little different in, in different organizations, but for the most part, it, it, it's helping to run the minor league system, and okay. and you'll have anywhere from five to eight minor league teams at uh, at in each organization, from AAA all the way down to complex level baseball in the in Arizona or Florida at the spring training sites, and and including in the Dominican Republic, and that's that's where there's a lot of overlap between the the player development side and the the international scouting side is is primarily just at those academies. Mm. The academies serve as a, as a bit of a de facto headquarters for for or operating base for the for international scouting and. Is also a kind of an entry level key spot for player development, also. Okay, so just just to understand better, so uh, the player development side of things, it co- it does coincide with international players as well, right? Uh, if I'm understanding the question correctly, the um, there there is a lot of overlap, and and right. to I think to like to do to do it correctly, there there should be, in the sense that you're getting. Uh, you want the developmental philosophies, the things our, our coaches and staff are teaching the players to be consistent all the way down from when we sign a, a 16-year-old Venezuelan or Dominican player and they're at their academy in the in the, in the the Dominican Republic when they, when they get promoted and come over to the U.S., you want there to be some consistency and, and have a coherent path for them as, as they move up the, the pipeline. Okay. I was going to say, uh, any notable players during your time with the Dodgers and the minors? Are currently in the majors right now. We had, um, yeah. When we when I first got there, we had a, a lot of guys that were kind of right on the cusp of becoming big leaguers. Um, so you had uh, like like Jock Peterson, um, Corey Seager were at the upper levels of the minor leagues. There's a lot of guys that have um, have gone on to other organizations as part of trades. And then there were a a lot of uh, uh, Julio Urias. Obviously, he uh, mm-hmm. he was at a he he ended up pitching for about a year, and then and then got injured, and, and then came back. He uh, and then there were a lot of uh, th- those were guys that, that the previous front office had had signed and developed for the most part. And it was a pretty stocked farm system when we when we got there. And then that first year there are the kind of front office philosophy was to, to use the financial muscle to, to restock the system. So, and that happened in a couple of ways to obviously spending record amounts of money on, uh, on uh, both like 
established Cuban players that, that signed under the, the rules for international professionals and then the Cuban amateurs and then spending a lot of money on, on uh, other Latin free agents as well. Mm. And so in, in terms of, of working for player development, just to, to bring it back a little bit, how many people are, you know, how many people are involved in this? Like how many employees are there? I know that at the time that you were there, Gabe Kapler was the head of the player development, right? And in, in for the Dodgers and you kind of worked under him you know, how many other people worked alongside you guys? So the, you're going to have, uh, and this will vary from team to team greatly. Now that's probably where you see the most variance, but in, in terms of uh, what we had specifically there with the Dodgers is you're going to have a coaching staff at, at every affiliate. So every level you're going to have uh, like a bare minimum of three, most places you're getting to four or five now. And then in mm-hmm. places like Arizona and the Dominican, it's going to be a lot more. Then when then you'll have your coordinators, uh, you're often they're referred to as the rovers, and they'll uh, kind of in each functional area, so pitching, hitting, catching, outfield base running, etc. You'll uh, you'll have guys that will will travel from affiliate to affiliate and mm-hmm. and be there at instructional league and spring training, and then you'll have a, a front office staff as well. Yeah. on the player development side. And, and we had a, a relatively large one with the, with the Dodgers where it was, I don't know the exact head count, but I mean, it was probably five to 10 when you include a lot of the, the things that are might, might be peripheral, but you're, you're working with them every day. Yeah. And then you end up with, uh, you end up with the, the medical staff, the strength and conditioning staff. And it's a pretty, uh, pretty big department to manage and with a geographic dispersion there, there's a lot going on there yeah um and so so okay so then in terms of what what that piece by the, the sports illustrated i forget who, i think it was john wertheim too where he uncovered all the evidence that was at, is at the hands of the fbi and the department of justice um some emails that were exchanged among staff members um, in which they interact with Buscones and and they're aware of some of the illegal practices that were going on in trafficking players, and they almost were talking about it all willy nilly in these emails, as if as if they were talking about exchanging, you know, I don't know, product or I don't know, like a, a, a an iPhone or something. You know what I mean? Um, was that common while you were there? If, I mean, if you if you feel comfortable discussing that, is that something that was common at the time? And and how did that make you feel? Like, were you a part of these conversations or? Yeah, it, it's, um, I, I think your description is accurate and talking about it kind of in this detached manner, like a product. And, and in, in some ways like that, like that is your product. You're trying to put good baseball players in the field. But I think that's where a lot of these, these people lose perspective and, and aren't able to step back and, and, and consider like, Hey, what we're, what we're talking about is, is actually like a crime here. And, and part of the reason, uh, the, the part that, that was interesting for me is a lot of these, a lot of the people on those conversations are, they're people that I considered friends and Mm -hmm. like, like don't, don't consider them to be like necessarily bad people. But I think in, when you have this environment that exists and, and, I think you had the perfect storm there with the Dodgers where it was probably exacerbated given the, the personnel involved and the amount of money being thrown around. 
but this is to, it's important to be clear that this is certainly an industry problem. Mm-hmm. And people, when people are in that environment long enough, they, and it's so openly tolerated it, 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 for them, I'm sure it doesn't feel like you're doing anything wrong necessarily. So this is, so this isn't just, this isn't unique to the Los Angeles Dodgers. This is, this is major league baseball wide. This is, this is happening to your knowledge pretty much in every team. You know, I don't want to speculate on yeah, on yeah. what goes on with in specific cases with other teams. I will say that that I'm very confident that this is an industry wide problem. Um, mm. I, I there's been the data points from that for decades. There's uh, th- this wasn't like it, it certainly was not a case of the Dodgers inventing some mm-hmm. new creative criminal schemes. Um, in a lot of cases, they were just doing what had been done in other places and doing it a lot more belligerently and more often. But that was, uh, I, I don't think there was anything that was happening there that wasn't happening in other places. Yeah, yeah. And I don't, I don't want this to feel like a deposition or I'm just curious as to, mm-hmm. you know, since you were kind of on the inside a little bit and to just get the audience to understand a little bit more what it is that they're seeing when they read these pieces, because I feel like. Um, as an outsider looking in, they kind of look at it as, oh, this is just one one example, one one circumstance in which this happened. This isn't common, blah blah blah. But you know, there's there's enough out there if people wanted to to look that to show that this is this is a serious issue in baseball. And I'm talking about the the uh, the recruitment of international players, how how in front offices, you know. It's it's a joke, you know. They engage in illegal practices and and so on and so forth. But I'm referring to a piece by, I believe it's John Wertheim. I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to discredit. Let me look. Yeah, up the, that's correct. Yeah, it was John Wertheim. It's called the evidence that persuaded U.S. Department of Justice to investigate Major League Baseball recruitment of foreign players. That's on Sports Illustrated. I'll link it in the episode description. But back to the questions. And again, if at some point you don't want to answer a question or whatever, just just tell me flat out, and we'll you know we can skip it. Um, no, that's fine. I, uh, I'm comfortable talking about it. I don't feel like I have anything to hide here. So, so good, good. fire away. <laughs> so were you ever asked to do anything for the organization in, in this regard, um, in regards to, uh, in other words, were you involved in any of these emails or were you fully aware of, of the, of these, the database that the, that the Dodgers were engaging in at the time, um, when you were with the organization? Yes. I, I was on, uh, a lot of uh, this, this stuff came up quite frequently. Um, the, uh, the, the charts, for example, that was actually an effort. Um, there were probably, I forget the exact number, probably five or six of us that mm-hmm. were, we were determining kind of how to, it, it was not a matter of like celebrating the criminality. It was actually quite, quite the opposite. Um, okay. It was a matter of trying to, like, some of us were trying to clean it up. Okay. I think, uh, I think, it, I think the way it was executed in practice ended up being very distorted, mm-hmm. and the right, uh, kind of, the right value system got got thrown to the side a lot. Where it was, uh, there really wasn't a lot of focus on doing the right thing, and there was a lot of a lot more focus on if we don't do these types of things. Is that going to allow us to remain competitive mm. and like how, and also like, how's it going to look and kind of definitely like an effort to, to sweep it under the rug as opposed to not uh, actually like cleaning it up. And, and what you mentioned 
in the first part of the question about this being an industry-wide problem and people looking at it like a like if some people had the reaction of looking at the Dodger stuff and saying, okay, this is a one example and an aberration. If that were the case, you would, I think you would see the response from major league baseball be a little bit different. And, and it's been complete major league baseball has dug in their hills and, and really gotten way out of their way to protect this type of thing. Mm-hmm. If this was not something that was a, a blight on the game as a whole, Major League Baseball would, would clean that up in a heartbeat. And I think mm-hmm. it, I think, let people draw their own conclusions. But I, in my opinion, it uh, it says a lot about the commissioner's office, about their about the character of the people involved there. Um, I, and I would go as far as to say that it is a it is a personal indictment of Rob Manfred's character as an individual that that mm-hmm. he tolerates this kind of thing. Yeah. So Nick, uh, you mentioned trying to initially clean it up, but at one point, did you actually did you see that no changes were being made, that nothing was really being done to put the, to put an end to this? And like, what was it that made you, you know, go one step further and, and uh, you know, to to try and end ending this? There were, you know, we we identified some stuff early on to the point where we had some meetings about it at the, at really at the highest levels of the organization and, and kind of what, what to do about this. And, and it, I mean, it didn't, uh, it didn't take me long. I mean, I, we'd only been there a couple months where, where I was pretty dug in on the position of we need to, to fire people immediately and, and like really like cut this out of the organization altogether. And if we need to do an investigation to make sure we're getting it right, do that. But like this, this is uh, like almost like a crisis that that needs to be handled with the right level of uh, needs to be treated with the right level of seriousness. And it was a constant topic where it was discussed frequently, kind of what to do. The um, I, I think it, it certainly got to the point where, where I was probably viewed as a bit of a pain in the ass by, by certain people in the organization for, for being persistent on this. And the, the decision was made at a certain point to wait until after July 2nd, which uh, for, for the listeners that are not familiar with that, that's a, the signing date for international mm-hmm. free agents and amateur players. Yep. And the reason that some people at, the, at senior levels of the organization made that decision is that, there had been uh, some, there were some deals in place already, which like for, for one is, is like, again, like not allowed. And they were particularly for some high profile Cuban players and, and they did not want to risk compromising those deals if we made any changes. So the, the decision was essentially made to, to tolerate a lot of corruption and, and criminality in exchange for not compromising the ability to, to sign some of these players. And that was really disappointing and disheartening. Mm-hmm. And it uh, it came up quite frequently again, where like kind of in the it, it felt like that that date could not come soon enough. And then in, it, it, while while awaiting that, there would be something else would come up that we find that was like the kind of thing that you should probably get fired for immediately and go to prison. Mm. And it, it was uh, there was just like no response or reaction to it. And then you get uh the date rolls around and a lot of like feet dragging and, and a lot of, uh, a lot of like really capitulating on 
like not bringing the hammer down and like doing this like in a in a very congenial like don't want to ruffle feathers and and that really pissed me off because it's it's like you have a situation where people are are stealing money and at, and outright committing crimes like yeah like let's not give them a pat in the ass on the way out the door like let's they need to go away go away immediately and not work in baseball again mm-hmm. and it uh that was disappointing and then on top of that you it, it, it was not by any like by any stretch limited to the the group that was I, I think there's a couple layers of this that are important to break down if you have the people that are committing these, these things directly but then you also have the the people that are enabling them and, and that that went straight to the top of the organization i mean the, the the general counsel himself was was breaking the law in a in a pretty significant way and uh i mean the, the there were some emails in that report that that showed that where they were outright conspiring to move people across borders illegally and lie to the federal mm-hmm. government for immigration paperwork. Um, well, and once you, it, it doesn't take a lot of that of once you kind of have that culture of where one people, people can do these things with complete impunity. And then it's going to, you're, you're going to have executives at the highest levels of the organization uh, get in on the act themselves. That's uh that's a pretty slippery slope and it, it, it culturally goes, downhill in a, in a heartbeat from there so june 2nd rolls you know finally gets here and then you see that you, you mentioned that you know people with their hands in their pockets not really doing anything about it did you actually think that they were going to do something about it but you know prior to that and if you if you kind of had a feeling that nothing was going to be done to begin with did you did you have a plan b I had I knew beforehand that the, that some changes were going to be made just because there were, there were enough of us and and it was kind of at the not at the the it was kind of at my level and some of my peers we were we had kicked and screamed enough about it where something there were going to be some changes that was uh, that was not really even up for discussion anymore. I mean, if it had if it had there's a certain point where I I would have certainly resigned if if that did not happen it um it was at that point it was a matter of like kind of when and and how deep are the changes going to go and i i think there was a there was a lot of disappointment in that and how how it was executed and, and handled from a process perspective and that again like you have something that is really like a, a crisis in the organization and there wasn't so much as an internal investigation about it. It was uh, done very much with the, the mindset of, of keeping everything quiet and hoping nobody notices. And that that's highly problematic. That's kind of what gets me about all this is that if, to me, like if there's a not, you know, you're you're you were a military guy. So I'm, I'm sure you you can agree with this. I'm, I'm not. I'm just my parents are strict. Um, but, uh, if there's an issue, you, you have to fix it. You know what I mean? But it seems like with a lot of these issues that keep popping up in major league baseball, and I'm sure in, in all professional sports, um, they just seem to sweep it under the rug and, and try to hide the issue. That's kind of what bothers me about all this. Um, but yeah, let me, let me get back to asking some questions. Um, so a lot of, a lot of those emails that you refer to, as well, where uh, buscones were mentioned a lot in those emails as well. Um, did you ever interact with a buscon? Um, and what was the nature of that interaction? Yeah, uh, quite a bit. You would, uh, 
I'd say the, the, the circumstances of those interactions tended to be around. You would, uh, if you go to, uh, like a watch a, a showcase or a, a tryout, the, the Biscones are usually hosting those. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you'd interact with them there. You're not in my role. I was certainly not the, the primary point for doing negotiations with, with a Biscone and, and that, that really doesn't happen on the player development side, mm-hmm. but you're, you're trying to stay on top of that and, and track what's happening with that. And, and in particular, in our situation, when we knew there, the level of graph that existed, trying to stay on top of it just so you can you can keep track and try to keep a lid on it and mitigate the, the nefarious stuff happening as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And then um, the other the other time you'd interact with them is when we were interested in signing a player and, or knew that we were, were likely to sign a player, we would, uh, a couple of us, there were occasions where you would, take the player and or his family out to out to lunch or dinner, try to get to know them a little better and, and make them comfortable and, and try to assess kind of where they're coming from and, and get a better feel for them as a person. And then also, so when they, when they end up, if they do sign with the team, they, they have some people that are, are friendly faces that they know. And, and the, I mean, the interactions with the Biscones, I actually didn't really mind dealing with them. I mean, I know, uh, I know we talked about this a little bit in the in the previous discussion, and you're going to have good biscones, you're going to have bad biscones. Um, mm-hmm. I actually felt it like given given what we were dealing with in the organization at the time. By contrast, with the biscones, you at least knew what they knew knew what they wanted for the most part. Right. And so that that was uh, a little bit refreshing. And you're gonna you're gonna have the entire spectrum of them. Like some of them are going to do crazy stuff. Um, I view it very much as there. A lot of them are a, a product of the the system that exists and mm-hmm. and is in place, and they will kind of respond to the the incentives that are out there. And that's uh, it, it's a fundamentally broken system, and it, it's pretty disingenuous to to put the blame on on these guys when they are responding to the and operating within the the system that's in place. Right. Um, have you heard of Buscones encouraging kids as young as 13 years old uh, to use performance-enhancing drugs in order to get noticed by big league teams? Um, there was there was this uh, Buscon in specific, Rudy Santin. Um, he came out in a news report in the Dominican Republic, flat out accusing Major League Baseball of, of knowing that this is happening. And he's kind of... Uh, saying that it, you know it's the nature of the business. If 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 he wants to make money and and get these players to make it to the bigs, they have to go through extreme measures, and and that major league baseball teams are aware of it. Um, do you agree with that, or or is that just a Buscon taking it upon himself to try to you know work the game as best as he can to try to make as much money as he can? Well, I I don't think those are mutually exclusive in that. I I think it. I mean there's enough out there on this where it it is unequivocally the case that it it has happened in the past and there's there's too much evidence to deny it as much as major league baseball would like to they've uh there's been reports about this for for 15 years and i think you i i think the problem one of the uh where it's come up recently in the news is when you you hear a lot of the Biscones talking about the 
again, this like incentive system where teams are pressuring the, the stones to come up with the kind of under the table handshake agreements with the players at a younger, younger age, which is then creating the pressure for them to be more physically developed at a younger age. And that, uh, I think that, and the Stones have complained about that quite a bit. And, and the response from, from major league baseball was, was, uh, I mean, I'm comfortable in, in saying that the, the, the lawyer from major league baseball, that was, there was a report from the, uh, from a DR newspaper and, and he was quoted in there denying that any of this exists. I mean, those are, I mean, that's nothing short of an outright lie. I mean, he, the, the context of that was they were, he was the lawyer for major league baseball was denying that these players are signing underage deals, but all the Biscos are pretty unanimously saying that you're, you guys are testing them for, for PEDs when at, at these under uh, when they're well, what many years be below the age at which they're eligible to sign because we have these underage deals, you're therefore testing them. So like you're inherently contradicting yourself and you got caught in the lie. And, and the, the disappointing part about that is that there's really like, when you can't even have an honest, like these are real problems that are hard to solve. And you have an institution that is, that instinctually lies and covers up and, and, it's just seemingly like allergic to having an honest conversation about these. Nobody's mm-hmm. saying that they're, they're easy problems to fix or it's not a mess, but at, at no point in time, are they, are they stepping back in? And really this is, again, this is, there's been some variety of these problems for many decades and they persist into the future because nobody is stopping to, to say like, okay, what is like, how do we fix this and what's in the best interest of, of, of these kids and how do we protect them and look out for them? You have a bunch of guys acting like jackasses who are, are concerned about the PR spin and trying to make an article go away. Nick. And this, oh. this reminds me real quick, CT. I'm sorry. It kind of reminds me of, I was just talking to CT in the last episode about a documentary I watched uh, about the fire festival. Have you heard about that before? Yeah. All right. So the reason why it reminds yeah, me of I've it is seen, seen the documentary is outstanding. Isn't it? It. It's really good. It. But it reminds me of it in like the Fire Festival one. Is, it's a silly thing. Like that 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 was just a silly, some stupid dude from Jersey who is a, is a fraudster and he's probably gonna you know, it, this probably isn't the only time he's gonna spend some time in jail. But anyway, it reminds me of that because it started off as this this idea, this innocent idea, and it just started to like shady shady things started to happen and it it like it 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 begot more shady activity from happening to the point where it got out of control and now how do you fix it and then these guys are just too proud to stand up in front of the camera and say you know we fucked up here let's try to fix the problem now you know what i mean that's kind of what it, i know that it's not a, it's not apples to apples but that's kind of what what MLB is reminding me it, it kind of reminds me of right now is 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 that there is this issue, it's a deep issue, It's now it's involving children, and instead of standing up there and saying, all right, we fucked up, all right, <laughs> like, clearly these things have happened, X, Y, and Z, let's try to find a way to fix this problem now, because we do want to, we do want, you know, to make this work. I don't know, I don't know if it's that they're afraid of mis- losing millions of dollars or whatever, um, but it's the right thing to do, and I think that it would help the sport in the long run. I mean, do you agree with that, or what do you think? Yeah, I don't. I don't necessarily know that 
that I don't think the financial element is like, I don't think you have to inherently lose millions of dollars in order to get these things right. I think it's a matter of the transparency is the problem. And I think that they're afraid of being embarrassed on it. Mm -hmm. And where, where I think it's a, a, I think some to some degree the dynamic that you described with the the comparison to fire festival is is accurate but where i think that you you see a real slippery slope is that when you have nobody kind of minding the store and and keeping an eye on these things and enforcing you, you have a broken system you have rules that that don't actually create the behaviors that you that you want to have ideally and then even the rules that that are in place aren't enforced when you have teams then competing against each other within the confines of that system, they're, they're inherently going to, to push the limits further and further and further. And mm-hmm. that's where you, you end up with people eventually committing crimes. And a lot of them don't even view it that way. They view it as the Yankees or Red Sox are doing this. Therefore, if I want to sign this player, I need to do that too. And they view it as, as competing within the confines of their, their professional environment and Mm -hmm. all, all sense of perspective is lost entirely. I was going to ask before, you know, in regards to those potential signings and those meetings that were taking place, what was the relationship like between, you know, these prospects and the, and the uh, Buscones? Like, and I guess what I'm getting at is that it, did it seem like there was like a, a mutual friendship between them? You know, that's a really good question. Um, I, I think that's going to be different in, in different cases. And, uh, and that's also an area where the, the, the scones themselves are pretty careful to, to make sure there's some opacity there and, and you're not going to, they're not going to shine the light on that too much. the, they're pretty careful about trying to limit the interactions directly with the player without them being there. I mean, they don't, they don't want to see that. And, and I, I think for obvious reasons, you've heard in uh, there's been countless reports where a lot of times, like, especially with the Cuban players, these guys are in, in a couple of exceptional cases are, are have like, like literally been held hostage by by people with guns wow. in what I think is a lot more common is the guy, the, the players are, are essentially like de facto hostages where they're not, not physically having their freedom of movement restrained, but they're they're They might be in the Dominican Republic illegally without papers and, and, and with coming there without any money. So like they might be on the cusp of, of being millionaires in, in, in short order, but until that happens, they are entirely dependent on on the Biscones for their kind of daily existence. And then, I mean, there's there's been quite a few cases where their passports have been taken away, and 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 so so these guys they know the game, and they're the Biscones are are very wary of of losing them to other players. So you'll see kind of schemes where they'll be like kidnapped or stolen from one Biscone to another. Mm-hmm. Um, that that kind of thing happens quite a bit. Wow. Isn't that kind? Of, isn't that, isn't that kind of what happened with Puig or, or with Abreu or something? I know that both of their cases involve some shady activities, like like where their lives were threatened and they were, you know. <laughs> yeah, Puig, uh, Leonis Martin, uh, Yaisel yeah. Sierra, one of the players that we signed. This one hasn't received nearly as much. It's been reported, but hasn't received nearly as much 
attention. Um, uh, Scott Eden, who's done a lot of good work on this topic, covered it mm-hmm. in, in a good article. And he had mentioned it almost as like an aside where the, the player had been, uh, I mean, the cops and the Dominican will get in on it. And, and there's a lot of bribery that goes on there. And, and one faction took him from another. Mm. And uh, that that kind of thing happens quite a bit. It's uh, and I think the the response on the baseball side has really been to like like view this as like not our problem, mm-hmm. and that that's flat out negligent in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. So okay, so how do we remedy the the issue of illegal player trafficking? So that, that's part A of my question. I don't know if you want to wait for part B, but. Um, part B is how do we how do we fix you know these international signing practices that are clearly a problem you know like what can Major League Baseball do to to fix these issues in your opinion? Well, so I, I I think they're I think in general like starting from the top down like the international side of baseball is like an absolute cesspool of corruption. And then when you get into the the Cuban players in particular, there's there's a lot more that can go wrong and a lot more that does go wrong because there's a lot more uh, some additional factors that are that are introduced unique to that situation. And so I think in, in at, at the the highest level, there needs to be a lack of tolerance for for those who engage in these behaviors. That's the the starting point, in my opinion. No matter what the the specifics of the scheme or the the crime are, it, as long as it's like exists in the open and is happens fairly routinely and is openly tolerated, mm-hmm. it, it's never going to go away. And in, until you can talk about these things honestly and and have Major League Baseball show like a real desire to root them out, it's always going to exist. So I think that's where that's where it starts. And, and I think the like for example, when you you see some of the enforcement measures, whether it's the the Braves facing some pretty stern punishments a couple of years ago, or the Red mm-hmm. Sox getting punished the year before that, uh, in a lot of a lot of the responses, more confusion within the game than anything else, because people look around and say, well, half the teams are doing this. Why are you cracking down on them? Mm-hmm. Or why, like, if you actually want to clean it up, then clean it up, and and, and be transparent about how you're going about it. Mm-hmm. And that that just that it, it seems really arbitrary in what's enforced and what's not. And then on the Cuban side, that that is, uh, it's a lot more complicated. And I think you, you've seen a lot of discussion in the last couple months about this with the the deal and the cancellation of the deal between MLB and the the Cuban Baseball Federation, and the. It, it, it's a complex issue, and I don't think there are easy solutions to that because it's not necessarily within the within the purview of Major League Baseball alone to to handle that. Right. But I do think there are things that Major League Baseball can do that they haven't done. For one, uh, I think the problems are greatly exacerbated by by forcing the players to go to the third countries to sign instead of allowing mm-hmm. them to, to come to the U.S. and sign as free agents. That makes it infinitely worse. And the um, and then also again, just just w- where you do see these problems existing, there's been a, a pretty much a tolerance for it, and and there's people that have have profited off of this, and and every now and then you'll see a, an investigation and a trial, and somebody will go away, but the, the there's 
people that are in working for teams that, that have engaged in this stuff. There's people that have uh, are certified agents that have engaged in this, that continue to operate with total impunity. And, and there really is no interest on the side of baseball as an institution in ridding the game of this. Like, like you see, like one thing I'd add is you see uh, a lot of pandering from major league baseball about, Oh, this, this deal with the FCB was done to, to combat trafficking. Um, I, I, I think it's absolutely laughable that mm-hmm. that anyone would take that seriously. And, and unfortunately, that seems to be like the public narrative of like, we can, if, if you oppose this, you support human trafficking. Like, I, I would challenge anyone to name a single thing that Major League Baseball has done outside of this to, to indicate the, the slightest bit of interest in, in opposing the trafficking that's occurred. And and we've you know at this point now we've heard so much about the the human trafficking aspect of 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 this that something does have to be done. I mean I'm not sure what exactly the solution is. A lot of people have different ideas, um, but it's certain that baseball doesn't know what it's doing. So I just want to ask one more question but, before. So, I, I want to I want to add on to that because that's like I, I think the way you described it is is accurate and it's a like nobody's pretending this isn't a challenging problem mm-hmm. but let's let's convene like some some smart people and and talk about this openly and transparently mm-hmm. and figure out the best way to handle it instead of like you get a bunch of bullshit lies and and excuses for major league baseball and and i i, I will say like on the record and as many times as i can that that these guys do not give a shit about solving this problem. There's nothing to indicate that, and and you're really grasping for straws to to for anybody to suggest that like and for for Rob Manfred and Dan Halem and the senior executives at Major League Baseball to say we care so much about this problem and like that's why we're doing this deal. Like if you care about this problem, there's stuff you would have done and there's stuff you can do mm-hmm. to mitigate it that they they haven't shown the slightest bit of interest in doing. Right. And that goes back to those emails that that were exposed in that in that piece. They were they were blatantly discussing about a player having to stay in. in I think it was Haiti for for a while until his papers came through. They were I guess they were falsifying his papers, or yep. maybe he was. You know what I mean? Um, and and these are yep. major league baseball teams that are fully aware of these kinds of practices happening. And so I guess what those I'm wondering: major league baseball teams committing them, not just yeah, yeah. And then so so why why aren't there any criminal charges? You know forced upon these these teams you know we hear we you know i don't want to make this political or anything but you know the, the biggest hot topic now is is immigration and how we don't want to, we don't want to let illegal immigrants into this country or whatever um but you you're you have a multi-billion dollar monopoly as as billy corbin refers to major league baseball um literally falsifying papers to get a, an immigrant into this country you know you know what i mean like um how do we you know why do, why is that okay well, I, I think on an individual level, and, and this is a really important point, is that like I don't think anybody's blaming the the Cuban players themselves for this. I think no, no, absolutely would, not. Would no, make that this, this decision them. Are, are, if anybody, they're put in an impossible situation, and, and really without much of a choice. And, and frankly, like they're not, they're not, they don't get a a ton of say in in how a lot of this goes down as well. In most of the case, they're kind of they make the decision to leave, and they're sort of along for the ride. And the the specifics of it are are executed by by others. And I, I think uh, 
as far as like why this is tolerated, I think that's a that's a valid question of like as far as like the ethics or morality of it. I would certainly distinguish between a, a Cuban player coming in on false paperwork that that others have created and provided for them and, and the people that are systematically profiting off of this mm-hmm. that's uh that really that's that's something that I, I think we should care a lot about right and uh, i think unfortunately uh, uh major league baseball has designed the system that they have designed i think specifically to not, not solve the problem but to insulate themselves from legal liability and so the focus has been on really they've been asking themselves for a decade, how do we stay out of jail and, and how do we make sure we don't know about this as opposed to how do we fix it? Mm-hmm. And so I think that's where you, you end up with a lot of problems. It's certainly, I mean, it's worked in that like the, the, uh, uh, there's an abundance of evidence that, that team officials know about this and there ha- haven't really been people prosecuted on the team side. And I think a lot of that has to do too with major, like, Major League Baseball is an extraordinarily powerful institution with very deep pockets and like sadly our justice system doesn't handle those situations perfectly all the time where, where a lot of, a lot of people get a little gun shy about doing the right thing when when they can defend themselves. And I think, I think sadly justice isn't always equal in this country. The next part here is some, Again, involves your time with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Involves again, Gabe Kapler is the head of player development. Um, two, uh, so two instances that I'm aware of. Uh, one involves a 17 year old girl who was sexually assaulted by two minor league players, or allegedly sexually assaulted by two minor league players. Allegedly, it was captured on Snapchat. As we know, Snapchat videos go away, so we're not sure, you know, what exactly happened that night. But um, so one. The girl's grandmother contacts Gabe Kapler uh, to remedy the issue. He decides to offer to take them to dinner um, instead of, you know, alerting authorities. After that, the incident is reported to authorities by the Arizona Department of Child Safety. And then later in, in a statement, Kepler denies ever knowing about the sexual assault and says that he believes that the that that he handled the situation in line with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Um, so that's that's the first situation, which is a, there's a lot going on there. The second situation yeah. I'm aware of is about a player sexually assaulting a maid. Um, and again, same situation. The authorities aren't alerted. Uh, it's kind of kept in-house. You know, Was this standard practice in the Los Angeles Dodgers organization? Was this, was this club policy to try to you know, handle the situation in-house instead of alerting authorities? I don't think it was written out in club policy that I ever saw. It was... Uh... I mean, I think, and yet again, like one of the, I think this is where like the, the question of like good leadership comes up of, you don't, you don't plan on these things happening, but yeah. it's how you respond when they do that, that matters. And, and I mean, you, you can't, you can't sit there and, and diagram out having a policy for, for every specific situation. But I think when you, if you sort of having a moral compass and, some integrity matters. And I think the, uh, in this case, the, uh, I mean, they can, they can have whatever the hell policies they want. Like if, if they, 
and and I, I I saw that in the comments that they made in, in that article that they thought this was handled well, and and mm-hmm. if 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 that's the case, like like I mean, fine. Like, what what do you say to somebody that thinks this if this is what success looks like to you? Then I would just say that like you're you're truly a piece of shit as a human being. I agree. I mean, I, you know, I you know, I I was a teacher and a social worker, and it was it was part of my job. Part of my part of the contract that I signed was that if I'm suspect if i'm suspicious of any activities or whatever that i should alert the authorities and and i guess i was just surprised to see that instead of instead of helping these people out the the reaction was to protect the players um and you know yeah, and that that's a gabe kapler thing where that 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 one is that part of it is on kapler where like the orientation is like to kind of use this as a learning opportunity or sharpening as in his language and and that's where, again, like I think, like when you get in that insular bubble of baseball, and and people aren't capable of, of stepping back and saying, like, you know, this is that as a matter of fact is not the most important consideration right now. Mm-hmm. I think it's easy for people to go off the rails and make make silly decisions like that. Mm-hmm. And I think the, uh, I, and I mean they, like as far as like some of the specifics on that first incident. The the part that, that that's sad about it is is I mean you, you have a the girl has been painted and and the Dodgers try to make it sound and Kapler specifically like she either changed her story or didn't mm-hmm. when, when they say that they didn't know about these things that that as far as I'm aware is, is not the case at all and they just they went out of their way to not ask the right questions and to not find out what happened and, and mm-hmm. in a very deliberate manner. And so in that case, like, like you shouldn't get rewarded and let off the hook because you like chose to bury your head in the sand. And that's right. that, I mean, it's a, that in that sense, it's the same dynamic that exists with, with these other problems that, that we opened up talking about. And that, yeah. that's, I, I think where the, the problem lies. And, and, and it's, and on top of that, it's also, it's just not true their their account of it i mean think about think about the things that they're trying to say where you have they're trying to say that they they provided a lawyer for the player but okay like the obvious question there is why did the player need a lawyer yeah right yeah right i mean what did you provide him a lawyer for right and according to i think according to wertheim's piece it says it says something that under is it Arizona law that the employer is is supposed to provide an employee? But you know that's besides the fact. I think I think that you what you did in in your thread. If if you guys haven't seen this in in Nick Francona's Twitter account, um, upon this story coming out, I think it was a day later, maybe I'm not sure. I don't, I don't want to make that. I don't want to make this up. But I, I do know that you put out a thread of emails that went on during that first incident. I think it was the first incident or, or the second one, and it shows mm-hmm. that that. that you know, I, I'm sorry, Gabe, but you know, based on the emails and the, and the text and everything, to Gabe Kapler, uh, it sounds like he was being negligent in his job. Like he wasn't responding to you guys, and and you guys were kind of left in the dark and didn't kind of didn't that, know what that, to that do. Was in the, that was in the well, yeah. To to clarify, I think I mean I wrote about the first incident on a on a medium post and and provided some some of the documentation. Right. And then I also did a, I did a thread on, on the other incident that occurred and, and yeah, I mean, in both, one of the things that was most shocking to me is when some of the reporters found out, uh, 
that there was, I, I didn't even know that there was law enforcement involvement in, in that first incident until mm-hmm. like shortly before that article came out and the reporters told me. And I had no idea. I, I had no idea that the team provided an attorney from the player. I mean, that, that would have been alarming to me. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's pretty clear that there was uh cover up of some type. I mean, like I didn't, if you're hiding this information internally, you're, you're obviously up to no good there. Yeah. And then on, on top of that, from a, just look at it from a policy perspective of if you're trying to implement an effective policy at the league level for these things, let's look, look at the results of what happened of where you have a team signed a player who was actively under criminal investigation for sexually assaulting a minor. Mm-hmm. How, how was, how is that? Okay. Mm-hmm. And the right. team didn't know about it because another team covered it up. Like mm-hmm. that, that's insanity. Yeah. A- and then in, in, in another case you had a, in the incident with the, the hotel maid, you had the, the player was later signed by the Yankees as a minor league player. He was, uh, the Yankees, I'm assuming, I'm assuming did not know about this. Mm-hmm. And again, like that, that, that is not success. Like mm-hmm. I, again, like I, I, I view it. If my opinion of it is that Major League Baseball views it as this is a problem only because people know about it, right? Not because like, like the real there's and there's real problems here. That is not it. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, if if you look at their response, there's a lot of like arrogance involved. There's a lot of like hand wringing about it, and and they they chose. I mean, it's almost hilarious and that they they chose to attack me by you have the dodgers on the one hand saying oh nick francona had the same amount of information and didn't do anything about it which like again is not true mm-hmm. like they, they had a lot a lot of this from me and then you have major league baseball saying this is somebody without firsthand knowledge and questionable motivations and like both of those things cannot be true right. so like they can't even get their lives straight right right nick nick did you ever get a chance to uh, confront gabe kapler about this in person no, um, I mean we we in the first incident we there there was a one day where we talked with the talked with the players involved about it. We I was in the room while while they were talking to the Dodgers general counsel, and then um, it, it was pretty clear that they were trying to bury it under the rug. But the Dodgers at that point the Dodgers general counsel was involved, and then I, I believe it was after that that the player approached Gabe and notified him that the law enforcement had contacted him and was involved somehow. And, and Gabe got, Gabe arranged with the, the Dodgers to get him a lawyer. I, I had no knowledge of that whatsoever. Um, but w- w- I mean, we're what's crazy about this is even without, so like I had a very partial part of the story, which was disappointing to me because I, I, I didn't, I thought we were like handling this like fairly openly at the time amongst ourselves, at least like not, I, I didn't realize like I was being kept in the dark. And even then, even without knowing they had more information than I did and, and realized it was a lot worse than I did. And even then I, I, I mean, there's a paper trail of, of, I wanted to get, make a change and get rid of the player immediately with, with mm-hmm. just the information that I had. I thought, I thought that was enough to, to send a message and, and Gabe really went in like the opposite direction of, of that, and and was kind of gra- like we had to like really force his hand to to even release the player, and that was uh, yeah, I mean like he again like there's 
he said his piece. It's pretty, I think it's pretty obvious to anybody that, that looks at the facts and is just slightly bit discerning that, that there were a lot of lies and, and unanswered questions in there. And, and uh, it, it's, I mean, I, I think the, the documents speak for themselves on that one and, and don't paint a very rosy picture of what happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, so we come to find out about this, about, I think it was about three, two or three years after the fact. And um, so let, let's delve into your departure from the Dodgers to kind of set this up a little bit. Um, according to the Worthine piece, uh, you had you wanted to take a leave to to get a, a TBI tra- a traumatic brain injury assessment at home base well, program. Stop you right there. That, that, yeah. that that's uh, that was actually what the oh, some of the conflict about that. I, I did not want to take a leave. Oh, you didn't want to take a leave, but Gabe Kapler wanted you to. Yeah. Okay. And so. Yeah, so I, I had mentioned uh, I, I was at this is over Christmas and I'm at at uh, going to be at home in Boston and I had been getting some headaches and my mom had been uh, wanting me to get a, a, a TBI screen and I I had mentioned it to Gabe with, with with the idea in mind that that I might need to fly back at, at one point but but really this was not a big deal and in retrospect I, I should not have pulled him period but mm-hmm. I did uh, like there were points where he and I had a, a pretty good relationship and honestly didn't think a ton of it. And his response was pretty weird. And, and initially it was under the guise of, of being supportive, but mm-hmm. was like, we're going to be supportive in a way that like he determined to be correct and nobody else thought was correct. Mm-hmm. And so like he, he's like telling me to take a leave of absence before I even had an appointment which right. which was like batshit crazy in my opinion and, and wildly inappropriate for him, for him to do that. And then, and then push for that to others. And, and that, that was, I mean, I, it didn't take long for me to get suspicious that, that like he, he was using this as a weapon. And then when uh, I got to the point where I, I was just like not comfortable, like talking about this with him anymore because I felt like he was weaponizing it. Mm-hmm. And then, um, he tried to like encourage me to quit on multiple occasions. And, and even my colleagues were like, what the, the hell's wrong with this guy? This is like out of nowhere. Mm. And we, uh, we, uh, honestly, a lot of us kind of like, not many people knew about it, but most, the ones that did, like we, we kind of just dismissed it because we honestly thought Gabe was like, I, it should have been a bigger red flag for me than it was. And, and I, I probably dismissed it too much just thinking like we really just thought Gabe was losing his mind and mm. had, uh, he had been in the mix for the manager's job and was apparently supposed to be the manager that fall and didn't get it. And then there was some back and forth about him being on the major league staff. And I mean, he was pretty disengaged from the department as a whole that, that entire off season. So it, it, it was a very bizarre dynamic. And, um, and so we, we thought that he was kind of just, going through a weird period and we things would get back to normal yeah and then um when that like he, he tried to get me to quit and it, it was very bizarre and then eventually uh just decided that unilaterally that we couldn't work together anymore out of nowhere hmm. and so were, were you fired from the from the dodgers organization or did you walk away it, it, that was a point of contention um they had 
they had offered me a sort of like a half-baked position that they were kind of like trying to make up another position somewhere else. Right. And I, I gave it some consideration briefly and, and I wanted to find a way to stay, but the way the process went down, um, I mean, I mean, it, it was, there was just no way I could stay in the organization after that. Um, Gabe had done some incredibly dirty things hmm. that to, to force that to happen and, and stuff that like, you just can't work somewhere after that happens. Yeah. Uh, do you feel comfortable sharing any of it or rather keep it private? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean the, the way that one of them, it, it, the final straw, which it would actually be hysterical if it weren't like, didn't result in such a, such a bad outcome mm-hmm. was um, there. And maybe at some point I'll post a picture to this because it, it, it was truly insane. Mm. You know how you have the, the signs on, on doors with like somebody's name and title. Yeah. Yeah. So like on an office door sign. So there was a, uh, apparently like a, a prank going on with some like good natured, I, I guess like three or four months before this happened with some, some junior members of the, of our staff where they had been putting up uh, different signs on people's doors and, and in the Arizona office. And, and I think it start one of them, Call, there was a, a guy that, that was fluent in Spanish and dealt with a lot of younger Latin players, so they, they called him the Conio coordinator for his title. And <laughs> the then coordinator? in response, the <laughs> yep. And in response, the uh, so Gabe wasn't in Arizona outside of spring training that often, so the the sports psychologist or mental skills coach he uh, would use Gabe's office. And so the, the person put up a, a sign on Gabe's door that called the sports psychologist, the no field coordinator and a uh, questionable right swiper. And the story <laughs> behind that was like the guy had been coming from a great guy, like beloved by, by everyone in the organization. Didn't have a great sense of baseball. He was new to working in baseball. So he would, he would ask questions like what's a pass ball, that kind of thing. And the guys would give him shit, but like it, it was like good natured and, and in jest. And the questionable right swiper piece was in regard to the guy would uh, would would in a self deprecating manner talk about some of his uh, his exploits on Tinder and other online dating apps, and that uh, came in one day with a story about how he needed a new bed because he broke his bed when he hooked up with a. a uh, heavyweight girl on uh, oh Tinder, and so that became kind of like a, a running joke amongst those those junior employees. And so fast forward like three or four months, like I and like I, I may have like seen these signs. I like wasn't involved in making them, but like and it wasn't like totally tracking on it since I was traveling so much. But like like could have at least hazarded a guess like who was involved in that. And so a couple like we're like six weeks into spring training at this point. And so Gabe has been in that office for six weeks and out of nowhere decides to send an email up to uh, like, like Andrew Friedman, Farhan Zaidi, some other executives and says that I put this disrespectful sign on his door. Mm. And mind you, he, he doesn't, he doesn't ask me about it. And is like, hey, did you do this? 
he just or, or asked anyone else for that matter. I mean, everyone else would have like known what what it was about. He sends it up to them with this really like elaborately crafted narrative about what those things mean. And said that like I was it was my way of accusing him of being out of touch. And like he didn't have any feel for what was going on in the department. And then that the questionable right swiper was uh, uh, me taking a jab at his sexual orientation. Um, no. and, and I mean, like, I, I thought this was like completely ins- like insane. And like, I almost like didn't even believe it until like I, I had the text with Farhan Zaidi of where like, I mean, that that's how I, I learned about it from Farhan, like questioning me about it. I mean, it was, it was completely asinine. Mm. And, and I mean, like after that, when you, I I was like, my initial reaction was like, I was shocked. And then from there I was like, okay, like, you know what, like maybe at least now we're going to like, maybe this is what's been bothering Gabe and he'll like take a deep breath and, and chill the fuck out and, and become a normal human again. Because like if, if I was like paranoid and convinced that somebody had done that to me, I'd probably be a little upset with them too. Mm. like I I would have handled it very differently, but like, maybe this is like, what's been, been up his, uh, like this has been the burr in his saddle for a while and maybe we can get back to normal now. Mm. And instead, like he just like refused to talk, he refused to talk to me about it at all. refused to apologize and was like, well, you can't really work together now. It'd be really awkward after that. Um, never talked to him after that. Like once, I mean, like, I mean, the, the lack of integrity that that showed is, is, is I mean, I mean he, he's a real piece of shit through and through. Wow. wow. I mean, yeah, it, it sounds like he, like, maybe these signs were bothering him for a long time and he didn't say anything to anybody. And then all of a sudden he just, he decided to find a scapegoat I don't, and you were it. <laughs> you know, I don't even think he, I don't even, I don't even think he knew about them. I mean, they were, I, I don't know. I mean, I. I, I gotta have, say, that, the Konyo coordinator is brilliant, I mean, man. <laughs> and and like like the we had the I mean we had like a really good dynamic in the department, and it was uh, I mean in a lot of ways Gabe was kind of a figurehead because he wasn't like he frankly wasn't that involved, mm-hmm. and that was uh, I mean it wasn't like people were undermining him by any stretch. It was just like he like player development's a, a beast to manage, and he just chose not to do it so we kind of like would include him and let him be involved where he wanted to be and where he did it. that was fine like we made do yeah, yeah and yeah. so i don't think he like we had we had like we had a really pretty good thing going and what we were trying to build and uh but with 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 gabe it's always about gabe and i think he uh like he i mean he made that pretty clear and so all right so this is where i was going with with this whole thing so the way worth i'm he characterizes it is that once you know you step away from the Dodgers or you guys mutually agree to you know separate or whatever um that you had a you know that you were waging war against baseball um because you felt wronged by by the way cap treated you with the Dodgers is that accurate or you know is that an exaggeration of 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 this well i mean that didn't happen I mean, I, th- I think there's like some important context that is missing from that article right. for sure. Um, 
so I mean, to be clear on the departure, what had happened is they, they had offered this alternative position and I had, I had, uh, gave it some consideration and, and really like, honestly, like more than I should have. Um, like after that happens and there's really no like consequences for it. I mean, like there were people that wanted to fire Gabe over this and, and again, there was no like accusation that I did anything wrong. Like, like I was just prior to that, I was offered a contract extension and a raise. Mm. I mean, this was like, like some, it felt like I was in the twilight zone type of thing. And, um, when, when I, I mean, I even, I asked Andrew Friedman about it and said like, like, is it like, are we not going to like take a step back and like realize that this is a problem? And uh, his response was that he was really relieved that nobody would write a sign like that. And that that was that mean. And uh, and I said, yeah, but like accusing somebody of that and now like, like getting them to change jobs is a reason is like highly problematic in my opinion. Hmm. And um, I mean, there, there was just like no reasoning with Andrew and Gabe have a weird relationship and, and, kind of bring out the worst in each other and you're just not gonna get there was there was no coming back from that that the writing was on the wall at that point and so um they, they, i mean they said i can take the other position or resign or be fired and i said i'm i i like i said you guys are i feel like i've done some damn good work here and you guys have said the same like i'm i there's not a chance in hell i'm gonna resign i haven't done anything wrong so like basically like fuck you fire me Mm-hmm. And so they, they did. Um, and then from there, uh, the, like I, I had asked MLB to like, like there were some, like in addition to like a pushing for the, like the leave of absence and trying to get me to quit and, and then getting rid of me when I wouldn't do that. There was a, I mean, he had made some inappropriate comments in addition to like along the, the like, made me pretty uncomfortable to say the least. And I, I had alerted MLB to that. I mean, like I had, uh, this all happened pretty quickly and, and I, I didn't want to file a lawsuit because I knew that that would like, there's no way that ends well with like you staying in baseball. Like you can be right. And you're still not going to like, there's, it's not going to work out well for you. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I asked major league baseball to look into it and there, they, for whatever reason, like they have policies that say they do, but they patently refused and were basically like, if you have a problem, you can sue. And then uh, eventually, this wasn't until about almost 10 months later, 11 months later, they, they did decide to investigate. I, I had written a letter and I think they were afraid of that getting out and, and they, uh, they said they'd look into it and they did. It, it, I mean, the investigation was, uh, I mean, disappointing to say the least. Like I, I, I went into it not, I didn't have any expectations that major league baseball is going to be an unbiased party. I mean, I, I knew enough to, to know what the score is on that front, but I did feel pretty strongly that look like if there's, if there are, uh, there's enough here where you have to do something or you're going to own the problem. And, and it really pissed me off because I had like, as this is going on, like I, I, I was trying to work with major league baseball to make a lot of these veterans programs better and, and explain to them, like, like, this is not a matter of just like being out for blood and wanting revenge or accountability. Like I was trying to make a difference in, 
And as pissed as I was about what had happened, I, I wanted to make sure it didn't happen to anyone else. And it, it was incredibly frustrating because major, like there was none of that with major league baseball. It's uh, it, it was this really this matter of like nothing to be seen here. Just like move along, we'll bury it and cover it up. And then eventually just like, it, it went downhill even further when uh, when Gabe Kapler was hired by the Phillies to to the point of where like like they felt like at that point like they had to basically come out and publicly say like I was a liar and there was nothing that they found in the investigation which, which is really disappointing because I mean that, that was not like a fun thing to talk about I I I, I felt like I was like trying to do the right thing for for others because this is a sensitive topic and, and say like, Hey, this is, this is like, not okay. We need to like, if somebody goes to, to an appointment and, and their manager decides that they need to take a leave of absence without any like professional experience or, or baseline for having that. And, and before they have an appointment, that's highly problematic. Mm-hmm. And for major league baseball to like say that that's okay. Like it is beyond insulting. And, and, and I mean, they, in my opinion that's like really unforgivable Hmm. yeah okay so yeah and i mean like to this day i I don't have a like i i provided major league baseball everything i had they refused to provide me with a cop like any report on the investigation and were like blatantly trying to sweep it under the rug from the outset yeah yeah it it sounded like the investigation was a complete joke (laughs) personally but um Nick, CT, did you have I mean, it was a sham. Yeah. Nick, I'm sorry if you're not allowed to talk about this or anything, but um, being that your dad is still a manager in the major league, I mean, does he have any opinion on this, or does it? Does he have a sort of a, you know, something against Gabe Kapler if they ever come in contact during a game or something? You know, it's a good question. It's one that I get asked a lot, and like from from my perspective on it, like I, I tried to keep my dad out of it in the in the sense that like I thought the merit merits of the issue spoke for themselves and look I'm not like naive enough to think that like it's not a factor in the sense that like sadly they would have probably just like steamrolled me all together if I mean they 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 basically did do that but without like any hiccups if if my dad what wasn't who he was yeah. Um, which which is part of the reason I felt like I needed to stand up on this, and that. Um, but I also didn't want to, like I don't think I think the the my hope is that the the truth of the matter and the facts would speak for themselves, and really like shouldn't matter whether your dad's a major league manager or or not. The facts are the facts. Yeah. But that that was also a something that major league baseball is extremely sensitive to, and. Like I, I wasn't gonna drag my dad into it because it's not like like I explained how I feel about that and and it, look it's like a team sport like it's uh, he's in a leadership position on for for the Cleveland Indians and and like that's it's not really something they they needed to be involved in mm-hmm. I think uh, as, as far as things with with Kapler are concerned it's uh, it, it's a certainly a bizarre dynamic where. I mean, my dad had Gabe as a player, and like, and I'll speak for myself on this too. And I know my dad feels this way. A lot of people 
Gabe was like very highly regarded back then. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like something changed in there with him. I mean, that's, uh, I kind of heard that from, I mean, quite a few, that, that was pretty clear. I mean, my, my dad hadn't spoken to him in years mm-hmm. since he had had him as a player. And, um, what was it, it was pretty my, my dad did get pissed in that it was the when Gabe was hired by the Phillies they went way out of their way to try to paint this as like my my dad and Gabe are really close and this is like a non-issue kind of thing and and that was a crock of shit and and mm-hmm. like pretty dirty on their part and, and my 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 dad let them know that and made that part very clear to them that uh that like it was kind of like dirty games aren't gonna work mm. and that uh you know the whole the whole experience was uh like it, to to get back to your original question about about like waging war on them like i i reject totally reject that notion because the the idea like like from my perspective i had this like awful experience like wasn't going to be able to go back and like undo that but i did want to turn it into a positive and like i i was one of the like only veterans working in baseball I was had heard from many other veterans who like were more than qualified and and were getting the door slammed in their face and and at the same time like Major League Baseball is exploiting the shit out of them for all like you you hear time and time again about how much Major League Baseball loves veterans but in, interestingly enough like will not actually like talk to veterans or or families of the fallen when when they're putting these programs together. And so I felt like as one of the, the only people that had actually like done this to to make a I thought I could play an important role in making it better and and work my ass off to do that. Mm-hmm. And so to have that like really when they're like that that's something that should be shouldn't really be all that controversial and shouldn't be that that I mean like who's going to dig in against that. And so we when when I'm trying to do that in major league baseball is totally unresponsive. You start to see that it's really for all the wrong reasons. And that's where, uh, that's where I, I ultimately spoke out against him on that. I mean, that like, there's not, there's not a lot of space to defend their actions on that. Of, I mean, they're going to, they haven't hired veterans. I pointed that out again, like mm-hmm. they still haven't hired any, like, like you, you do the math, like, like for whatever reason, like I don't know why this is that problematic for them. Yeah, and and that's it's funny that you brought that up because I was gonna I was gonna say I only I have like one or two more questions and then we'll wrap a bow on this. And and the next question was actually has to do with when when you went to the Mets and and you had the same job uh, assistant mm-hmm. assistant uh, the player mm-hmm. director player development and um, you got let go by the Mets because of how outspoken you were about Major League Baseball. And what they were doing with the finances of of the uh, w- with what they were making with it with the game apparel the the camouflage uniforms and stuff like that, um, and and ironically you're you're according to the article that I wrote I think it was in the I'm not wrote that I read in the New York Post um, it was Sandy Alderson a former <laughs> Marine as well that that was the one that dealt you the final blow you know why why did the Mets decide to take that stance if if I'm understanding it correctly. If your issue was with Major League Baseball, this sounds like like uh this sounds like a mob hit. You know what I mean? Like the boss sent the the Mets to like deal the final blow. You know what I'm saying? Um, is that how it felt like to you? Yeah, 
Oh yeah, like no doubt about it. I mean the uh, the Met, the Major League Baseball like denies that they had anything to do with that. The Mets, uh, I mean, I don't think it takes a, a rocket scientist to figure out that like if like I had no problems with the Mets whatsoever, got along great with everyone there. Um, I mean the Met, the Mets is, is there's some intriguing challenges working there, but like I embraced like trying to do my part to, to make it better and was I mean in a lot of ways like was really in, enjoyed that challenge and I mean literally the only problem was me apparently speaking out on the um, on these issues and I would say that the like one of the important factors to keep in mind here is I was speaking out on these issues after after exhaustive effort, I mean, that was really a last resort. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a, like, I, I didn't view there, there being any other alternative to it at that point, other than giving up. And that's, uh, and, and Sandy, Sandy knew that. And, and I think, uh, like, you know, Sandy can speak for himself, but uh, like, as of, I mean, his, and, and what he told me and I've seen where he's, like basically agreed with this and version of it. And he told me is that like, you've done a great job here. You, you've really had a big impact on the organization, but your comments aren't compatible with working in baseball. Mm. And, and I said, like, kind of, I mean, I didn't, there wasn't much to say at that point. I mean, I knew, uh, I mean, I knew the score. I, I Sandy can speak for himself on this, why he's okay with certain things. But, um, I mean, Sandy was doing the bidding of the commissioner's office one way or another on that one. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, I mean, it, it, at the end of the day, like Sandy can say whatever he wants and major league baseball can say whatever they want. Like there's a reason that they're not in, like, like think about their response to all of these issues. Like I'm, I, I, I tried to work with them. I, I can't even begin to describe the amount of time and effort that I put in to, to working on these problems to try to solve them in a way that would make them look really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I made, I think the, the, the stuff I did with the Mets for Memorial day reflected very well on the organization. And like, the, these are not, there's, there's nothing controversial about this. So like, if you're digging in on it, it's because you're doing something wrong. Right. And I mean, if you're having a, if you're for all, like, it's not normal to if somebody asks you to talk, when when a reporter asks them to talk about their their Memorial Day program, like why do you get PR gurus and and lawyers and spin doctors involved? Like just fucking talk about it. Like what's the problem? Mm-hmm. I mean, but it was like it was incredible. I mean, it was like a bunch of chickens running around with their heads cut off because they they just they partly they had no idea what they were doing. They had no idea where the money was going. They were caught in a lie. I mean, think about how simple it would be to, like, if the stuff that I was saying wasn't true. Like, Major League Baseball is deep pockets. They have a lot of lawyers working there. A lot of them are lawyers themselves, and they're they're very intelligent people. It would have been, it's very easy to demonstrate if what I was saying was not true. Like, it's it's incredibly simple to show that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, why why do you... you... They've never done that. Yeah. So why do you think that baseball isn't transparent in 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 these areas and in, in dealing with this issue this issue specifically and in, in what they do with the proceeds of 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 these games cuz you know they they are in a sense they are lying ex- about it. I mean that's yeah. I, I think it's obvious. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and I mean, do, do, like, do, like why why wouldn't you be transparent about it? Right. There's and not a whole this, lot of good reasons for that. Is it the same issue with you know the breast cancer awareness stuff when uh when they have like the pink bats and the cleats and all that stuff or or are you not aware of that? You know, I, I can't I I'm I can't speak to those as directly just because I'm I'm not as familiar with like the 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 fact pattern on that. Yeah. But uh, on um on the military stuff specifically like with with they had a program that was called Welcome Back Veterans. Um, when I dug into it, I mean, Welcome Back Veterans is not an entity. There's no, it's not a nonprofit. There's no board. There's no paperwork filed. There, there's nothing. It's really like take our word for it. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there, the, the, and again, that, that that is not how like charitable endeavors operate. Right. And right. when you when you ask about it, they like their first response was to shut down the website. They. Um, and again, like nobody, you only operate this way if you have something to hide that, I mean, that nobody at major league baseball could point to like who was responsible for administering these programs or who was overseeing them, who decided where money went. I mean, in, in some cases they, they admitted that they had like no earthly idea what was going on, mm-hmm. but they, it, rather than just try to like fix it, it was all like a sham and, I mean, at one point, like we were laughing about it, they had they had tried to like paint a rosy picture and bragged about how they had. Uh, they're like we have, it, I think it was like five or ten employees out of a couple thousand that were that were veterans, which was like almost impossible to do. Mm-hmm. Just like if you were actively trying to avoid them, that is like almost that's really hard to accomplish, and like somewhat impressive. And mm. rather than like address it and like, I had some recommendations, like, like nobody, none of the veterans that, that were emailing me asking for help or, or that venting some complaints about their experience and trying to deal with baseball, nobody wanted a handout or, or unfair help. Like they, they had wanted uh, to, to be looked at like fairly and just like really wanted nothing more than to have their resume read. I mean, I don't think that's like asking too much. And the response from Major League Baseball could not have been more callous. And, and again, like they have a, the numbers don't lie. Like they have a problem. Like there's a reason that so few veterans are working in Major League Baseball. And, wow. and if you look at, just compare that to, compare it to, you have these other industries that are actively competing for the, the top notch veterans that are transitioning out of the military. And you have Major League Baseball screams the loudest about supporting veterans. Yet is one of the has um, probably I mean they're down there with the worst track records of any American employer of actually employing veterans and and aren't aren't do, I mean aren't doing anything to fix it I mean that's a, it, they clearly have for whatever reason they have a systemic issue on their hands hmm. but aren't willing to address it yeah I mean that's there's just so much to uncover here um, I wish that we had more time Nick uh, I think yeah. we're in total, these two parts, I think, we're, are going to be three hours. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you know, I don't I, bore you guys. no, you're not boring us. This is a, it's, a, it's a serious topic. And it's, you know, you're right. I mean, at the start of every game, you have the, the, the national anthem, you know, in these big games, you have the, the airplanes flying over. You have God bless America. You have uh, at Yankee Stadium, you have the military. They, they always have somebody from the military stand behind home plate during uh, during God bless America and stuff like that. 
But then you you delve in deeper. It's what we're talking about here. It's you you delve in deeper. You look a little closer, and you see that it's you know in many ways it's a crock of shit. It's a front. It's it's a it's a nice face on an ugly issue, and you know it's disappointing. You yeah, know? I mean I, the the words that I'd use is I, I the one that really bothered me was the, the Memorial Day stuff because you're talking about people giving their lives in service to this country, and right. and are not there to, to to speak for themselves. Right. And I think that that's that is like a really like a sacred issue. Yeah. And that is the, for major league baseball almost had this view that like they had a right. They felt like they almost like had a, like I was infringing on their right to exploit it for profit. Right. And I mean, the, the gold star families that, that I dealt with. And w- when I, we were doing this Memorial day tributes, I, I spoke to every one of the families involved personally because I wanted to do it the right way. And, and get their permission and make sure they were on board with it and not like hijack it as something we, we were doing on our own. And they were all, uh, I mean, they, you're talking about people from vastly different backgrounds, living in different parts of the country, different political views, different, uh, not all who spoke English even. And they, they were still pretty consistent. And like the thing that mattered the most to them was, was having their loved ones story shared and, and remembered and keeping their names alive. Mm-hmm. And that, that was, that was consistent and uniform across the board. And I can tell you, not one of them said like, you know what? Like, thank you major league baseball for wearing camouflage hats. Cause that, that is like really like honoring the day, the, the memory of my, my, my fallen loved one. And, and, and I mean, they, they saw this for what it was. It was a, it was a like nakedly callous way to exploit it and, and turn a profit. And then when you're not even going to tell them like how much money you're, you're making off of this or how much you're donating for selling a $40 hat, like how much of that is donated and you hide, and they hide behind lawyerly semantics. I mean, that's it's just absolutely disgraceful. Yeah, man. I, I mean, so what, what are, all right, here's my last question. So what are some, how can we, what are some solutions to this? You know, what do we do? How can I mean, we, first, how can we spread so awareness the, to this and all, you know, I mean, the, 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 I, again, like I, th- I would separate the issues a little bit. So, like uh, one of the things that, like I, I know you and I have engaged on on Twitter from time to time, and what one of the things that I try to do is is send out stories about the individuals from from time to time, and 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 you know what, like I, I don't have that many followers. It probably doesn't have that big of an impact, but like just getting like getting uh, uh, even if like a couple more people learn about their stories and read about them that makes a difference and that that matters and and it matters a lot to their families i think the thing that we did last year with the with the mets and the tribute videos and and i'll send you some links so you can share them um and how we got the players involved in that Mm -hmm. that that was really really cool and i think meant meant the world to these families and and the players loved it and got like the players were all about it yeah and that that was uh a way where I think like the, the sports world can actually have a, like a really meaningful impact on these kind of things. And, and you get away from the idea of, I mean, one of the, one of the problematic tweets that got me in trouble was I, I, I had said that the Memorial day program was ba- had basically turned into like Halloween where it's an excuse for players to like, I mean, the camo becomes like a fashion statement and it's like, look how like cool we are wearing camo. And it's, and it, it's honestly like a fucking joke and mm-hmm. pretty insulting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, yeah, you're right. You're right. And you you tweet you tweeted something else in regards to Rob Manfred talking to a Gold Star family, and I, didn't that get you in some hot water as well? 
yeah, I mean, I said something about how I'd like to look him in the eye and and or have him look one of these families in the eye and tell them this is like a dignified program and a way to way to honor their fallen loved one and and it, again like like it stands like it, I mean he had the, like part of the part of the reason they I mean imagine they did this program for a decade at at the point where, where I had made these criticisms like can you imagine like doing a program to, a, a, having some charity program you're going to raise money and make this big deal about it mm-hmm. and not even bother talking to the people that it's supposed to help like that that's insane yeah and and, and you know what it start like like i don't think manfred's the one sitting there personally making these decisions but like you know what like like so be it like when you're in charge like the buck stops with you yeah man i mean i think if we keep doing this and keep talking about it and keep putting it out there and and uh you know Things will change eventually. It has to change. This, this, it's not sustainable. You know what I mean? It's gonna crash eventually. Yeah, that's what I think. <laughs> yeah, it, it will. And I think, uh, and and it doesn't have like I like I don't view this as like this big. I mean, there's like I've I've had a, a bad experience, and there's some things that I, I'd like to be better. But I think that like that that a lot of the reason I like spot on these things is because I'm, I'm optimistic about what baseball can be and the, the positive force of it, that I, I think it like should be for people and, and what it should be as an, as an institution and, and behave honorably. And that's, uh, I, I just don't want to accept it for what it is right now. And it's because mm-hmm. I care about it that I, I want it to be better. Same man. Same. And I think that's a perfect way to end it, Nick. Thank you so much for, for talking to us for so long and i hope that you you know you be available to talk again you know sometime soon maybe a little more more lighthearted topics next time sorry yeah. that i this, uh, yeah. of, of course that um I, I, pre- I appreciate it was fun all right man thank Thanks, you Nick. all right folks thanks for listening Thank you to Nick Francona and the and the Francona family. Uh, Nick, you're a hero. I, you know, every time I talk to you, you know, whether it be on this podcast or or over the phone or via text or whatever, I I try to remember that I'm speaking to someone who um, who put everything on the line for our country as a as a U.S. Marine. And we thank you for your service and and for everything that you've done for for being a truth seeker, a person who is not afraid to to tell the truth and to put it out there into the universe. So without too much sappiness, thanks again, Nick. And thank you all. Thank you all for listening. Have you rated and reviewed the Welcome to the Show podcast yet? Please take two minutes to drop us a five star rating and review wherever you listen to your pods. It helps others to find our content and to be a part of the conversation as well. Uh, Also, don't forget to visit audibletrial.com forward slash welcome to the show to get your free audio book download. It's not a a scheme. It's not a a gimmick. It's the real deal. You'll get a free audio book, any audio book that's available on Amazon's Audible audiobook service. uh, And you'll get a 30 day free trial with that as well. So once again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash welcome to the show. Thanks, everybody. Peace.